0: Thank you for tuning in to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. You're about to hear a live sermon, which was recorded at our 11 a.m. contemporary service. We are thrilled to share it with you. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to worship here this morning at Roswell Presbyterian Church. It's a joy to be with you in worship. I want to update you on where we are in planning to open the church back up. We have convened a small task force to begin looking at all the issues that go into it. We are in conversation with church leaders and consultants, governmental advisors. We even have uh, some connections to some experts at the CDC, so they're really helping us think through all of this. So I'm gonna continue to update you in worship, but also in the congregational email that I send out each week, so be on the lookout for that. I want you to know that we continue to do the vital ministry that Christ calls us. In fact, this week, we have 11 members in our new member class, or potential members. uh, 11, and some of them have never even stepped inside the RPC church building. I can't believe it. It's just so exciting that people find it that compelling. They want to be a part of the family of faith here at RPC. So be on the lookout uh, for news about them. Well, last week, we looked at the prophet Elijah. We saw how God took care of him by sending him to the desert. And there, he in the desert, as he drank from the the wadi, that brook that ran through there, ravens came and fed him. Well, I hope you had some ravens come and take care of you this week. I hope they were a source of life for you. We are focusing in on the prophet Elijah because we want to see how God turns him into a man of God. And what would it mean for us to continually be built up, become the people of God? Today, we will be looking at one of the most exciting stories in you know, all of the Bible. Let us listen now for the word of the Lord. It comes from 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 19 through 24. Now, therefore, have all Israel assemble for me at Mount Carmel, with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent to all the Israelites and assembled the prophets at Mount Carmel, Elijah then came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. The people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left of the prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets number 450. Let two bulls be given to us. Let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood. But put no fire to it. I will prepare, prepare the other bowl and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire is indeed God. All the people answered, well spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask that in the next few moments you might be our teacher that no matter where we sit in our living rooms, in our bedrooms, in our dining room, wherever we're at, that your spirit might speak a word that only you can speak. Teach us about our own lives from this great prophet, this great story of Elijah. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever tried to ignore an obvious problem and only made the problem worse? If you would have been a student at the University of Washington back in 2001, you would have seen a 6'5'' senior walking around campus with a serious limp. The previous weekend I had played in the Kappa Delta Shamrock Shootout, which was a basketball tournament, it was a sorority fundraiser. I went up for a jump shot and when I landed, I felt a pop in my lower left leg, it hurt. But I just popped a few ibuprofen and kept playing. The KDs needed me. (laughs) So for the next three days, I limped across campus, going from class to class. Most people thought I was walking like that to get attention. They were whispering, who does that guy think he is? Is he Eddie Murphy and Delirious? This went on for three days. (laughs) Finally, my buddy Greg says, Jeff, I've watched your limping enough. I'm taking you to the doctor. And so he did. And went to the doctor and the doctor took an x-ray and they bring it in to show me. And the doctor says this, well, look at here. Your fibula is broken, clean through. I'm glad you came in. They gave me a a boot for my leg, some pain medication, and sent me on my way. Now, I know what a lot of you are thinking. How high did Jeff have to jump on that jump shot? Let me tell you, not as high as you would think. (laughs) Well, you see, a limp indicates a lack of fully committing to something. I really couldn't commit to using my left leg. It, It hurt too much. And so I had to limp around. A limp indicates a failure to commit. And Elijah says that the Israelites are failing to fully commit to God. They are limping between the Israelite God and another God named Baal. One commentator that I read says, This story is the most entertaining and dramatic story in the Bible. Remember the context here. Ahab is king of the northern kingdom, and he's last in the line of 19 evil kings, and he is the most evil. Last week, I told you that God sent Elijah to to take a tough word to Ahab, and then he goes uh, into the desert, and God sends a drought as punishment. Now, Elijah has come back from the desert from hiding, and now he's confronting the prophets of Baal. He says, we are going to prove who is really God here. He says, get two bulls. I'll take one and you take one. We're going to slaughter them and then we're going to lay them out on the fire and we'll see and we'll pray to our respective gods and whichever one sends fire to burn them up, we'll know that God is the true God. There are 450 prophets of Baal and only one prophet of the Lord, Elijah says. And Elijah is calling them out. Let's see who is really worshiping the true God. In verse 21, it reads, Elijah then came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. This word for limping is a a Hebrew idiom. It literally means hobbling upon two branches. The, The image is either a bird hopping from branch to branch to branch, or it's a person using two branches as crutches. Now, I've spent a lot of time recently, around a 15-month-old, and I've had a lot of time to observe him. The other day, in one hand, he had a bottle full of milk. In the other hand, he had a plastic club, and in the middle, on the table, was a delicious cracker. And I could see the calculation. Which do I want? Am I gonna let go of the club, or am I gonna let go of the bottle of milk? How can I eat this delicious cracker? Well, he's a smart 15-year-old, so he simply just leaned down and picked it up with his mouth. His mom was none too happy. But you could see there, he had to decide. He was limping between which way to go, what was he willing to give up, what did he really care about. We all have options in our lives, and we must decide what we really care about. We must decide on what we might call our first principles, what we ultimately care about. In the Bible, we put our faith in what we ultimately care about. The scriptures are constantly asking the question, why do you put your faith in that? Is it worth it? Because God asks for our ultimate commitment. Whatever you ultimately care about, whatever is the most important thing in your life, this is your God. This is what you worship. And whatever you worship will redirect and reorient the rest of your life. This is one of the big themes of the Bible. In the New Testament, in John 13, The writer records a conversation that Jesus had with the Apostle Peter on the last night of his life. They're there in the upper room, and Jesus tells the disciples that he must leave them. And Peter asks Jesus, where is he going? And Jesus says, where I'm going, you cannot follow. And Peter says, no matter what, I will follow you wherever you go, even to the death. I will lay down my life for you. And when Jesus hears these self-confident words from Peter, he asks, will you really Lay down your life for me, Peter. See, before Peter can answer, Jesus predicts that not only will Peter be unwilling to die for him, but he says that Peter will even deny knowing Jesus three times that very night. In just a a few short hours, Peter will go from being a a faithful disciple to a deserter. Before the night is over, Peter will abandon Jesus. He'll deny even knowing him. Peter is limping along with two options. He loves Jesus and he wants to lay down his life for him, but he really loves his own safety too. What's your ultimate goal, Peter? Worshiping Jesus or your self-preservation? See, Elijah confronts the Israelite people and says, who are you going to worship? Are you going to worship the Lord? or Are you going to worship Baal? You must decide. Quit limping along. You can't have it both ways. Deciding on what you really care about, what your ultimate goals are, what your real purpose is, can have a major impact on your life. It'll determine all your other actions. I've been watching, maybe like some of you, uh, the documentary Last Dance about Michael Jordan's last season with the Chicago Bulls. It's bringing so many memories back of watching him when I was a kid in my bedroom above my bed. I had the the famous wings poster where it showed Jordan's wingspan. I saved all my money so I, could, so I could buy Jordan sneakers. I remember watching the games on TNT and TBS and then practicing his moves out in the driveway. Well, one of the things that this documentary confirmed for me that I remember was that in the early part of his career, everyone thought that Jordan was a solo star. He could have great stats, win the scoring title, but he would never win an NBA championship. But then Phil Jackson became the Bulls head coach. And Jackson was famous for instituting the triangle offense. This offense is founded on passing and moving without the ball. And so Jackson comes to Jordan and says, you know, Michael, I'm gonna need you to pass the ball a lot more. The ball is gonna be less in your hands. You're gonna have to pass and that probably means you're not gonna score as many points. You probably won't be the scoring champion but this will make your teammates better and the team will be better. What do you want to do? Do you want to have individual rewards and accolades or do you want the team to win? Well, you know that Michael Jordan is one of the great competitors of all time and he went on to win six NBA championships. I would say he made the right decision. See, if you want to win, you have to commit to what you really care about. You can't limp between two options. There's another reason I think Elijah would have loved Michael Jordan. Elijah was a great trash talker, it's true. Elijah is so confident that he worships the true God that he lets the prophets of Baal go first. And they should have had an advantage of going first because Baal was a storm God. He should be an expert at raining down lightning on a sacrifice, he should have no problem. But nothing happens. And when nothing happens, Elijah begins to talk trash to the prophets of Baal. Let me quote directly in case you don't believe me. Verse 26. So they took the bowl that was given them, prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, crying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no answer. They limped about the altar that they had made. At noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, surely he is a god. Either he is meditating or or he has wandered away. Or maybe he's on a journey. Or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. (laughs) This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture, that Elijah is trash-talking the 450 prophets of Baal. He's so confident that he worships the true God and that Baal is a false god. He's outnumbered. It doesn't matter. He's confident in who he worships, that he knows the real God. He says, maybe Baal's meditating. Maybe he's wandered away. Maybe he's on a journey. Maybe he's fallen asleep. Notice how the narrator says that these prophets, they limped around the altar. It's interesting here that we've gone from figuratively limping to actually, literally limping around the altar. They are toast, and Elijah is going to let them know about it. And so when it it comes time for Elijah's turn, he steps up, prays, and he prays for God to rain down fire and totally consume the bull on the altar. In fact, like a magician who continually builds up his magic trick and makes it more difficult, Elijah even pours water all over the sacrifice. He's so confident that not even water can stop God from raining down fire and burning up the sacrifice and proving who is the true God. Elijah is a man who knows what he cares about. He knows his, his ultimate purpose. We all have something or someone we are ultimately committed to. This is what we worship. This is our God. Before I've read to you David Foster Wallace, that great writer, his famous commencement speech, This is Water. You know, Wallace is not a Christian as far as I know, but he had many Christian insights. And in this commencement speech that he gave at Kenyon College, he makes several key points. First, he says, we all worship something, but we often don't notice it. It's unconscious. And second, if we choose the wrong things to worship those false gods will try and destroy us if we worship those false gods those false gods will try to destroy us listen to what he says he says worship your body and beauty and sexual allure and you will always feel ugly and when time and age start showing you will die a million deaths before they finally grieve you worship power you will end up feeling weak and afraid And you will need ever more power over others to numb you to your own fear. Worship your intellect. Being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. He goes on to say that the whole trick is keeping this truth up front in your daily consciousness. Here's why I think this story about Elijah is so important. Scholars think that these stories were were finally collected and gathered together and edited when the Israelites were in exile in Babylon, hundreds and hundreds of years later. And in Babylon, the people were surrounded, the Israelites were surrounded with a culture and people of totally different religion, and they were tempted to it. And so they would tell this story about Elijah to remember not to go limping after false gods, Worship the one true God. Be like Elijah, not like the prophets of Baal. Worship the God who created the world, who who made a promise, a covenant to Abraham, who liberated the Israelite slaves from Egypt. Worship that God. This story helps remind us to pay attention to whom and what we are worshiping. So if if you're plagued by fear or anger or hate, If you're consumed with jealousy and pride or or addiction or any other vice, consider if you might be worshiping a false god. These false gods are not worthy of our worship. They will only try and destroy us. We worship a God who gave us life and gave his life for the life of the world in Jesus Christ. I mentioned that story from John 13 about Jesus and Peter's conversation on the last night with his disciples. It's interesting in their conversation that Jesus predicts that Peter will deny knowing him three times that very night. But then Jesus says something really enigmatic. He says, but you will follow afterward. You will follow afterward. Jesus knows that something must happen to Peter to change his heart and his mind. Something needs to happen to him. He can't do it on his own. Something's got to happen to him so he will make Jesus his ultimate commitment. But it will only happen afterward. You see, Peter has to experience God's full commitment to him, God's gracious love, so he can respond with his full commitment to worshiping Jesus Christ. He has to experience grace. And that grace allows him to worship in return. We are limping along in life, blown in every different direction, and God wants to heal our limping so that we might stand straight up and live fully committed to Him. I think this pandemic has forced a lot of us to reflect on what we really care about, what's at the center of our lives. When things get taken away, we have to step back and say, what is really at the center of our life? Last week, I mentioned to you, i have been reading Bruce Springsteen's autobiography, Born to Run, there's a really great interaction that he recounts in the story about the first time he meets Bob Dylan. See, Bruce had modeled his look and his lyrics after Dylan, and so meeting him for the first time was a really big event in his life. Dylan was receiving an award, award at the Kennedy Center, and Bruce was asked to see the times there a-changin' to celebrate Dylan's career. As they're walking down a back stairwell, Bruce says he gets a few brief moments to talk to Dylan. And Dylan turns to Bruce and says, if there's anything I can ever do for you. And Bruce thinks to himself, are you kidding me? And he answers, it's already been done. See, all of Dylan's music had already been recorded. It had already been published. It had already changed Bruce's life. Nothing else needed to be done. He just needed to live in response to it. And he did. It's in the same way for us that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ has already been done. And because of that, it can change our lives. This transformation has occurred. Now we just have to live in response to it. Let it be important to our lives. Let it stop us from limping from one decision to the other and know what is most important. Let us not worship things that are not worthy of our worship. But let us worship the God revealed in Jesus Christ, who gave himself for the life of the world. It's already been done. One of the things that's been impacted by this pandemic is that all our seniors have missed their commencement ceremonies. And so we wanted to give an opportunity as a part of Senior Sunday for them to bear witness to what RPC and what Jesus Christ has meant to their lives. We want to see how they have been transformed, how they have stopped limping along, and they've been set free for their ultimate purpose, what they ultimately care about. And I think it will inspire us to do the same, to choose the God revealed in Jesus Christ and choose not to limp. Let us hear from our seniors. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we thank you for these seniors, how, what you've meant to them, how you've changed their lives. We thank you for this great church of Roswell Presbyterian Church that has been here since 1839, making a difference in the world. Lord, thank you that you get to work through us. We pray that we might be open to the movement of your spirit. We pray that we may not limp along, that we might live in response to the grace revealed in your son Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. If you'd like more info about Roswell Presbyterian Church, check out our website at roswellpres.org.